Hello? Hey, it's a four-way. Is everybody on? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Present. Oh my god, you're never gonna believe what I just heard. Bitch, we need to be in person for this one. I'm on my way. I'll grab the champagne. Perfect. See you guys in 10. Welcome back, toppers. Another day. I shouldn't say day. Another Monday. Another episode. So by the title, you already know what we're going to talk about. Um, piggybacking off of last week's episode of the cult we talked about, I decided to do something really different, you know? So we're talking about secret societies, because <laughs> that's so different than a cult. Uh, honestly, I've been seeing all over my TikTok for you page, um, because I'm, I'm trying to stay hip as a millennial. I don't even think I'm a millennial. I don't even want to get into that. Whatever. I think I'm a Jillennial. Is that a thing? Gen Z? Zillennial? Zillennial? Whatever. I'm rambling already. Um, all over my TikTok for you page, I've been seeing TikToks about these sorority girls and, like, the joining process and all that stuff and it just made me think (laughs) secret societies because don't some very what's the word not uppity but like ivy league ivy league that's what they call it ivy league colleges don't some of them have like secret society oh my god i was about to call it gangs secret society like um what's the word (laughs) fraternities and shit i need to stop i need to I need a cup of coffee. That's what I need. Anyway, I got to stop rambling. We're talking about secret societies. So today I found an article um, about the five secret societies that are still um, a pretty big mystery to people. Like they don't know a lot about them. So we're going to be talking about them today. Let me get comfortable. God, how's my foot already asleep? I just started. Okay. So the first of the five... I've never heard of before. They are called the Knights Templar. Um, never heard of them. Don't know what they're about. Te- based on the name, wouldn't join. <laughs> but let's let's learn a little bit about them. So, the Knights Templar were warriors dedicated to protecting Christian pilgrims to the Holy Land during the Crusades. The military order was founded around 1,118. When Hughes Day Paynees, <laughs> oh my god, I literally can't even speak English, let alone French. Hughes Day Paynees, a French knight, created the Poor Fellow Soldiers of Christ and the Temple of Solomon, or the Knights Templar for short. Headquartered at Temple Mount in Jerusalem, members pledged to live a life of chastity, obedience, and poverty, abstaining from gambling, alcohol, and even swearing. Nope. Right there, you got me. I can't join. I can't swear. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I could never. (sighs) The Knights Templar were known for more than their military prowess and moral lifestyle. They became one of the most wealthy and powerful forces in Europe after setting up a bank that allowed pilgrims to deposit money in their home countries and withdraw it at the Holy Land. Their influence swelled to a new high in 1139 when Pope Innocent II issued a papal bull exempting them from paying taxes and decreeing that the only authority they had to answer to was the Pope. At the apex of their power, the Knights Templar owned the island of cyprus a fleet of ships and lent money to kings 
but not all kings were happy customers. So that's the like backstory they have on them. What happened to them? Let's let's talk about that. If you could tell, I'm very not prepared this week. <laughs> Honestly, I've been preparing for October because that's that's the time I really care about. Today, it's kind of like a filler episode. I'm sorry. I'll do better. I promise. I got a lot of shit going on. Anyway, about the Knights of Templar. When the Crusades came to an end after the fall of Acre, the Knights Templar withdrew to Paris, where they focused on their banking endeavors. On October 13, 1307, King Philip IV of France, whom the Knights Templar had denied additional loans, had a group of knights arrested and tortured until they made false confessions of depravity. In 1309, as the city of Paris watched, dozens of Knights of Templar were burned at the stake for their alleged crimes. Under pressure from the French crown, Pope Clement V formally dissolved the order in 1312 and redistributed their wealth. Rumors that the Knights Templar guarded artifacts like the Holy Grail and Shroud of Tur- and Shra- Shra- Whoa, what word is that? <laughs> and Shroud of Turin began bubbling up among conspiracy theorists. Popular books and films like The Da Vinci Code continue to inspire curiosity about the Knights Templar today. Honestly, shockingly, um, no idea how, but I've never seen The Da Vinci Code. I know I'm a failure to all um, movie enthusiasts. I'm sorry. Just never came across my screen. Honestly, don't even know what it's about. Could not tell you. Someone held a gun to my head and said, what's the Da Vinci Code about? (laughs) I literally don't know. A Rubik's Cube? Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, the symbol for the Knights Templar is the Cross of Lorraine, which in this picture looks like just a thick cross, if we're being honest. Oh, it kind of looks like a regular cross with like an extra... Honestly, it looks like a puzzle piece. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It looks like a puzzle piece. Yep. Okay, the claw- the Cross of Lorraine is a double-barred cross that is featured prominently in the coat of arms of the Dukes of Lorraine. After Lorraine, nobleman Godfrey de Bouillon became the King of Jerusalem during the First Crusade, the symbol became known as the Jerusalem Cross. When the Knights Templar arrived in the Holy Land, they adopted it as a symbol of their order. During World War II, the Cross of Lorraine was a symbol of the French resistance to Nazi rule. Some eagle-eyed observers have claimed to spot the Cross of Lorraine in the Exxon and Nabisco logos and even stamped on Oreo cookies. So that's all we have today, folks, on the Knights of Templar. Um, I think literally if you were to ask me about them tomorrow i could not tell you anything it's already out of my brain it's it was in and then now it's out so we're gonna we're gonna go to the next one number two out of five the freemasons the if i remember correctly i think i could be literally talking out of my ass but i think madison said her uncle or something was a Freemason? Is a Freemason? I literally could be making that up. I don't remember. Anyway, the Freemasons loom large in American history. After all, 13 of the 39 men who signed the U.S. Constitution were Masons. Founding fathers like George Washington, James Monroe, Benjamin Franklin, John Hancock, and Paul Revere all counted themselves as members of the Fraternal Order. But who are the Freemasons? 
the Freemasons can trace their roots to the Middle Ages in Europe, a time where most craftsmen were organized into local guilds. Cathedral builders by nature of their profession had to travel from city to city. They identified one another via signs of their trade, like the builder's square and compass in Freemasonry's now iconic symbol. So iconic, I literally don't even know what it looks like. How iconic. I could not point it out. Okay. The earliest reference to Masons is in the Regis poem or Halliwell manuscript, which was published in 1390. But Freemasonry as we know it today was founded in 1717 when four London lodges merged to form England's first Grand Lodge. Freemasonry quickly spread across Europe and to the American colonies. The beliefs of the Freemasons. Freemasonry is not a religion, though members are encouraged to believe in a supreme being or grand architect of the universe. Mason temples and secret rituals have brought them into conflict with the Catholic Church. The Church first condemned the Freemasons in 1738 and has gone on to issue around 20 decrees against them. In 1985, Roman Catholic bishops restated over 200 years worth of these structures in the face of an increased number of Catholics joining the order. The Church wasn't their only enemy. The secrecy of the Masons garnered such distrust in early America that it inspired America's first third party, the Anti-Masonic Party. Freemasons exist today, and their public image has been greatly influenced by the high-profile charity work of the Shriners, a subset of Freemasons also known as the Ancient Arabic Order Nobles of the Mystic Shrine. The Shriners were founded by Freemasons in 1870 at New York City's Knickerbocker College and continue to volunteer work today. I've never heard of that college before. To become a Freemason, the rituals around becoming a Freemason are shrouded in secrecy, but have entered the public imagination in film and TV and were even parodied on an episode of The Simpsons. Membership is open to all males, fuck you, over the age of 21, and women can join an associated group known as the Order of the Eastern Star. According to the New York Times, aspiring member must ask to join and cannot be otherwise approached. As summed up in a recruiting slogan, all you have to do is ask. If you do get in, you'll be in good company. Famous Freemasons include Mozart, Winston Churchill, Davy Crockett, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and John Wayne. John Wayne who? John Wayne Gacy? Because... (laughs) It's not good company. I'm sure that's not what they mean. Is there another famous John Wayne? I don't know. Uh, The most recognizable symbol of the Freemasons is the square and compass. I'm looking at it now. I've never seen that before in my life. In my life. The right angle of the builder's square is joined by compass, a central tool in geometry, which according to some experts at MIT is represented by the G at the heart of the symbol. Others have interpreted the G as representation of God, the grand architect of the universe. The view of the all-seeing eye as a Masonic symbol has been sharply debated. Long before the Freemasons, Egyptians used the eye of Horus, and all-seeing eyes appear repeatedly in Renaissance art as a symbol of Christianity and God's watchfulness. But organizations like the Philadelphia Federal Reserve claim Freemasons, Henry Wallace, and Franklin D. Roosevelt purposefully chose it when they redesigned the dollar bill in 1934. According to the George Washington Masonic National Memorial, the all-seeing eye is a Masonic symbol of the watchful care of the supreme architect, that being appearing in printed Masonic literature in the mid-1700s. 
Number three, this one I have one bajillion percent heard of. It's the Illuminati. I think we've all heard of them. From what I know, they like make you famous. So like I would join. Honestly, I would join. And I wouldn't tell any of you bitches. <laughs> if they told me to keep it a secret, I'd be like, oh, I would keep it a secret. You know those like memes where it's like, oh, you tell me to keep something a secret, I'd still tell my best friend. No, not even that bitch. I wouldn't tell anyone. I would join. I'm kidding. Somebody would know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Depending on what they offered me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I can keep, keep my lips sealed for a substantial amount of money. All right. Anyway, let's get into the actual Illuminati. <laughs> the Illuminati were founded by Professor Adam. Why does he have to have such a hard name? Adam Weishaupt. Weishaupt. We shopped. I don't know. In Bavaria on May 1st, 1776. I'm going to call him by his first name because if I have to keep trying to pronounce his last name, we're, I'm going to have a stroke. Adam, chafing at the power of the conservative Catholic Church and the Bavarian monarchy, sought to cast aside organized religion in favor of a new form of illumination through reason. Inspired by the spread of the Enlightenment across Europe, he also drew upon ideas expressed by the Jesuits, the mysteries of the seven sages of Memphis, the Kabbali, Kabbalah, and Freemasons. He recruited heavily from the latter group, infiltrating Masonic lodges in his quest to recruit some of the wealthiest and most influential men in Europe. Members of the Bavarian Illuminati, referred to as perfectibilists, what a word, were broken into three tiers of increasing power and drawn from societal elites, including noblemen like former Freemason Baron von Nye and writer Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Goth. All communication was in cipher and members were given classical nicknames. Holy shit, these people's names, I li I'm not even trying. I'm not even trying. Oh, okay. What happened to the <laughs> What happened to the Illuminati? The organization flourished before being stampled out by Carl Theodore of Bavaria, who issued an edict making membership in the Illuminati punishable by death in 1787. But the death of the Bavarian Illuminati did not quell gossip about their clandestine activities and conspiracy theorists have linked the group to everything from the French Revolution to the assassination of JFK. The Illuminati served as inspiration for Dan Brown's Angels and Demons. Oh my god, that was like, why did that have so many hard words in it? Am I just illiterate or what? Okay, number quattro, skull and bones. Why are all of these men, all the secret groups, are men honestly there i'm sure there's like a lot of women secret groups we're just better at keeping secrets you know what i mean like clearly these aren't that big secret societies if they're published in a goddamn article you know what i'm saying so if there are any female members of a secret society out there listening to me hit me up i want to join i want to join a girl gang not a gang you know what i mean like a girl group <laughs> Okay, Skull and Bones. The Order of Skull and Bones is a secret society founded at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut in 1832. I knew it. I said, see, I knew it. I knew I remembered hearing that there was like a secret society at a school. Oh my God, I'm so smart. <laughs> A's for me. Skull and Bone founder William Hunt Huntington Russell was inspired by an occult society he'd visited in Germany. His co-founder was 
Alfonso Taft, future Secretary of War under President Grant and father of President William Howard Taft, who would also be a member of Skull and Bones. The prominent list of Bonesmen includes several presidents and modern-day power brokers. Each year, 15 seniors at Yale are tapped to join Skull and Bones. Their names are published in Yale Rumpus, though what happens behind the closed doors of the tomb, the windowless meeting space where Bonesmen gather twice a week, is under wraps. Members take an oath of secrecy. Graduate members are referred to as patriarchs, while those undergoing initiation are called knights. Outsiders of the, the, <laughs> outsiders of the group are called barbarians. Okay, honestly, if I had my own little group I made, I'd call the outsiders something funny, too. Ah. Famous Skull and Bone members include President William Howard Taft, George H.W. Bush, and his son, George W. Bush. Founder of Time Magazine, Henry Luce, former Secretary of State and Presidential hopeful, John Kerry, Fortune 500 elites, and members of the CIA. The controversial... See, I feel like this is all... Literally everything we're talking about now is all about who you know. That's like proving it. It doesn't matter how great of a person you are, but if you're in one of these little groups, you just get to higher power places. Like, I feel like if some of these people never joined the Skull and Bones, they would never be in the CIA or some shit like that. It's all about who you know. The controversial 1986 expose America's Secret Establishment by Anthony Sutton claimed that Skull and Bones was out to create a new world order run by bonesmen, prompting myriad conspiracy theories. The symbol of skull and bones is appropriately a skull with two crossbones. Shocker. What's less clear is the meaning of the number 322 beneath them. Yale Alumni Magazine points to a popular theory that it represents the year 322 BC when Alexander the Great died. And last, but certainly not least, another all-male group are we shocked, ladies and gentlemen? Because I'm not. Number five, Bilderberg. <laughs> Jesus. I feel like if women did this, though, which they probably do. they pro- There probably are all women ones out there. But if they did, we would come up with so much better names of shit. Like Bilderberg? No. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, the first Bilderberg meeting was in 1954 and held at the Hotel D. Hotel de Bilderberg in the Netherlands, from which the organization gets its name. Convened by Prince Bernard of the Netherlands, it was a gathering of powerful politicians from North America and Europe designed to foster warmer relations between the two continents among fears of growing anti-Americanism in Europe. While not strictly a secret society like the Illuminati or Freemasons, Bilderberg's high-profile attendees' previous guests have included Bill Clinton, Margaret Thatcher, okay, we love the girls, Angela Merkel, Tony Blair, and Henry Kissinger. And its use of the Shatham House rules, blocking attendees from sharing what actually happens in meetings, gives the group an air of mystery. Journalists are barred from reporting on it. Meeting minutes are not released. Bilderberg attendees are selected by a dedicated international committee. Every year, about 120 to 140 people are invited, with about two-thirds coming from Europe and one-third from North America. The Washington Post reports that while backgrounds in government and politics are not most common, attendees from fields like academia, finance, and media have also been included. 
The level of secrecy surrounding the Bilderberg meeting have given rise to many rumors, including unproven theories that Bilderberg attendees are behind the creation of the European Union, the invasion of Iraq, and the bombing of Serbia, reports the New York Times. Conspiracy theorists have painted the group as plotting a new world order. Their official website maintains, thanks to the private nature of the meeting, the participants take part as individuals rather than in any official capacity and hence are not bound by the conventions of their office or by pre-agreed positions. Publicly known topics of conversation for the year's Bilderberg meeting are cybersecurity, and climate change. What happens behind the closed doors of these secret societies have caused debate for centuries. What's clear is that they continue to spark the imagination and curiosity of the public. I love that. I love the idea of a secret little group. That's all. That was it. That's the whole, the whole article. And I'm sure there are hundreds of secret societies out there, especially the really, really big ones that nobody knows about, just like there are secret (laughs) things for everything that the public does not know about. I would so join one. I I like how, like, last week I was saying, I would never join a cult. And this week I'm like, I would love to join a secret society. Like, make up your mind, Jessica. Make it up. But I really would. If you're listening out there and you you know a secret society I can wiggle my way into, I would do many of things. Within reason. Eh, probably without a reason to, but whatever. That's besides the point. Anyway, October's coming. You know what that means. Spooky time is almost upon us. Get ready for that bitches thank you so much for listening again like i say every week you can dm me if you have any ideas requests topics you want me to talk about whether you want it to be deep whether you want it to be a serial killer i'm open to anything you can reach me at over the topics instagram or my personal instagram thank you so much for listening have a great week bye (laughs) 